Welcome to episode number 26 of Anarchy in Space. Started as Elvis and ended with something else. Not sure. This is episode number 25, <laughs> episode two of season three of The Expanse. If. Yes. IFF. What does that stand for? Uh, Something friend or foe. International Fornication Foundation. Oh, if only. So the fornication of the month is Congolese. What? <laughs> well, we have, uh, from what I recall, man, an action-packed episode we watched this week. Yeah, had some uh, nice little tense moments. There's a lot of tension in this episode. Yep. Christian trying to come up with some jokes. Uh, we were talking before the episode, and God, lots of F-bombs drop. And, and what's hilarious is to me, uh, in my day job, Christian just reminds me of every Indian woman I've ever met. Just swearing up a storm, very <laughs> aggressive. Like, I, the way I describe people, and maybe it's just the industry that I'm in, they all tend to be this way. But I feel like they come over here and think that it's literally still the Wild West. <laughs> I've definitely been threatened with, like, guns. Uh, you might be right about that. More from their particular group of people than others. Yeah, all the Arab people do is yell about black people. Interesting. Incredibly racist. Reminds me of that scene in the movie Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks from the 80s. And the little nerdy guy has to go and find some prostitutes. And uh, the, the Indian guy turns around. And the little nerdy guy goes, are you a pimp? And he goes, yes, I am a pimp. That's hilarious. And if you don't bring my bitches back... In 45 minutes, I'm going to dip your balls in motor oil. It's like, okay. Is that a bad thing? Cook your balls in motor oil, I guess. Oh, okay. That would be different. Very, very different thing. Well, I let, you know what? I, I'm going to say, Eric, let's let's make season three a little different. You're going to be the guy. Okay. I, I, I feel shitty because the first two seasons, like, I just talk so goddamn much. <laughs> so I want, I want you to do some talking this season. So why don't you lead us through this? Ah, okay. So the uh, episode begins... With a, uh, a riot happening outside of uh, the UN, or should I say mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> About the same thing, right? Yeah, so we uh, meet a new character coming in, Dr. Anna Ushka, I guess as a uh, Russian lady. Uh, and she's uh, trying to convince the, the people of Earth that God is on their side and uh, gets brought into the UN Secretary General or President or whatever he is. And uh, Aaron writes... Uh, feels a little bit left out because he's told to leave the room while he talks to this person. And uh, there was a nice little opening scene there where at one point she gets hit by one of the uh, the MPs from the UN. <laughs> well, what I found funny about this is, so she is a very particular person and represents something within this context. I mean, she is your quintessential bleeding heart as a character goes. Like she's, um, what is it, a lesbian, yes, interracially married priest in the Baptist church or whatever it is, or Methodist church, and yeah, apparently knows the leader of the UN from back in her, you know, back in their specifically their more uh, aggressive uh, activism days. So she. She kind of represents like it's the, the the far far left, as far left as you can possibly Pretty go. Much. Like, because everything is for the the people. Hence, why she like she gets in the middle of it and is willing to fuck with the soldiers because she knows she's got the protection of the leader of the UN. They can't touch her. 
Right. And and even though, but while they're manhandling the one guy, she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this is how this is going to go. Yeah. So the thing is, is that, so she's there to make, thus far, we've looked at the leader of the UN as kind of being like a very, almost a very lefty kind of guy himself. He really doesn't want war, it seems. Right. But when you paint her into this picture, all of a sudden, everything swings way far left and he looks not much, not far away from uh, Aaron Wright as far as things actually go. And I think that it's interesting that her character kind of changes the way things seem just that much. Yeah. You find out that, like, she wrote the speech, basically, that got him his office. And that's why he's called her in now. Because he basically has said, I need you to make it okay to start war with the people. Get them on my side. Right. Which is, you're telling this to a priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, Secretary General guy was, uh, he was like, yeah, nobody talks to me that way anymore. At least not to my face. Yes. And so that's the reason why you're here. That you're the only person I know who's not going to bullshit me. And I know I can get the real stuff from. And she was, and, and clearly is a very gifted orator. She knows a lot of history. Knows a lot of what's going on right the other thing that i find interesting about her character is and this is this is why all left-leaning societies fail on the margins is because you can have all of your high-minded aspirations you want that you need to respect the fact that human nature is human nature and so despite the fact that what she's going to do is going to make it okay for war she does it for the the very simple fact that well money You'll make sure I, I, my foundation or my church never has to go without so we can we can do good with all that. Yeah. Are all those Martian lives okay for the fact that you just got an, a few extra shillings to sling at your people? Like, Yeah, that's a true day as it ever, ever was. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's exactly that. But uh, yeah, just kind of seeing her and Aaron Wright kind of playing with each other a little bit. You know, he... She kind of irritates him in some way because she wants to call for some kind of restraint. And Aaron Wright's not all about that. But then that led to a uh, Jules Pierre Mao visiting Dr. Strickland on IO, who's uh, very creepy in this episode, by the way. Ooh, Strickland? Yeah, he's definitely giving off Dr. Mengele vibes. So, isn't he the guy from uh, Joe Dirt who played Buffalo Bob? He might be. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. So. I only remember it because it's a, it's just such a very defining face. Yeah. And I'm pretty positive it's the same guy. Could be. But yeah, I mean, no, he's been creepy in every episode. I don't know if it's just now catching up to you because there's like, they're really focusing on him. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, and we'll make sure that you take your medicine. And we're like, uh, not, not good. Well, and we find out a, a lot of big things in, ab about the protomolecule in this episode. Because we find out that the reason that Mao, or not Mao, but um, Prax's daughter is so important is because they're rare, they have a rare genetic issue that only happens on, on the planet they were on. Yeah. And it has allowed them to create, basically, they're, they're able to maintain for longer periods of time the proto-molecule within themselves. Yeah. So like the super soldier thing that they're working on, it makes them able to be controlled where the other ones couldn't be. Right. You know, and she sees like her one friend who's showing her like he can turn his arm blue and stuff as the proto-molecules in him. Yeah. So it was a uh, kind of eye-opening. I think even for uh, Mao, because he was wanting to come in there and scrub the hybrid program altogether. Yeah, it's like, fuck it, we're done with it. There's no point. Yeah, it's like, you can't control this thing. It's... You know, it turned an entire asteroid into a flying missile, deconstructed a ship in a, in a moment, you know. Yeah, like, the thing is, that I don't know that even, I think, I, I'm pretty sure Strickland's lying to him in, in the first place. I don't think they can control it at all, but but he's doing what any other fucking doctor will do to save their program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, no, no, we're, we're, we're right there. We're right on the cusp. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. This is going to be the week that we do it. <laughs> Results are right around the corner. Anyways, um, where we get, we go next? Most of the show takes place on the uh, the Razorback, right? Yeah, Avasarala and uh, Bobby Draper trying to flee a UNN ship, and uh, the Razorback can go very, very fast. Bobby Draper is used to high G 
oper- operations, but uh, Avasarala, you know, being a politician from Earth, uh, not so much. So Bobby Draper's got to kind of thread the needle on uh, keeping the ship away from the UNN ship uh, outside of range. Without killing Avasarala. <laughs> yeah, without killing Avasarala. And so there was a uh, nice little exchange between her and Avasarala where Avasarala said, uh, speak politician, you know, basically dumb it down for me. Yeah, it was really <laughs> funny. Which I thought was kind of funny. Now, obviously, the they're being chased by men that Aaron Wright has sent after them. It's quite certain he's going to get away with it. Yep. Well, Bobby knows that she can't get away. It's just not possible. Yeah, the ship doesn't have any kind of defenses. There's no guns or... Yeah, it's just all she's got is she can outrun them. Maybe. Yeah, I can outmaneuver and, and go fast. That's it. And the problem is, is she can't really use... Like, she's in a position where she could get away from him in a second, but it would definitely kill Avasarala. So right. her next option is... Look, they're going to kill us one way or the other. The other option is we are on a Martian ship and we can put out a beacon to Mars. Yeah. And 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 I was like, well, yeah, we're both we're both war criminals to Mars, like as far as they're concerned. Well, I'd rather be a Martian war criminal than, you know, a body buried beneath, you know, Aaron Wright's, you know, mound. Which is all, that's death. That's certain death. Right. Mars, I'd rather be in a Martian prison than buried, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. So they send out a beacon and, you know, it's weird that there's there's this other other ship that just happens to be able to uh, get Martian distress signals in the area. Yeah, the uh, the recently renamed Rossinante gets the uh, IFF call, which is the uh, title of the episode. So uh, identification of friend or foe and uh, they pick it up and Draper kind of disguises who's on board the ship is just that they're being pursued by UNN and that they're a Martian ship. And uh, of course, Naomi says, well, this is the Razorback owned by Julie Mao. We've got to go find this. And Holden's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, to be specific, Holden is saying, "We, I, I promised Prax we're going to find his daughter. We can't get sidetracked from that mission. And that's all this is. Right. And ultimately, what do they do? Is they they throw it to Prax and says, all right, well, it, it, you make the call. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not part of the crew. And he's like, no, you're part of the crew. Right. You're family now. So what are we doing? And so he ends up deciding, hey, we're going to go save this ship, which leads up to a really great moment with uh, Amos. There's actually a couple of really good Amos moments in this. Yeah, Amos and Prax have been uh, working hand-in-hand on putting uh, natural air scrubber uh, plants up in the walls. And then uh, at one point, Amos tells him, well, we're about to do a high G burn, so we need to secure all of this, all the tools and everything. And I guess Prax doesn't do it properly. So at one point, while they're doing fire maneuver... Like all these uh, tools, drills, and saws, and everything are flying around the Rossi, uh, the Rossi kind of uh, all over the place. Well, and what's even more funny than that? I mean, you've got that great moment where Amos catches the drill quarter inch from right. Prax's face because, oh, of course, we need Amos being a badass. Any chance we got? Yes. But leading up to that is where Prax Prax ends up pulling out his hoe, his air hose, and he can't breathe and he's dying. And so Amos, in the middle of all this maneuvering, yeah, unstraps himself to go put Prax's hose back in. Yeah. And while the ship's doing all this maneuvering, so he's being thrown all over the ship. And he's surviving only by like holding on to the railings himself. And like as the ship changes direction and does 360 degree turns, basically turning around him the whole time. Yeah. He's just being a total badass, like getting from one end of the ship to the other, hanging on by a single hand <laughs> and eventually gets over there and saves Prax. It, it's it's just like it's a super cool shot scene, too. Yeah. Because you're just watching all of these like tools and bits and drills and everything flying all around. And Amos is just one hand at a time moving his way over to Prax. Eventually, uh, eventually everything stops, though. 
Yeah, and uh, last uh, scene of the of the episode was uh, Bobby Draper holding Avicerella in her arms, getting led on board, and uh, you know she has no idea what's just about taking place on the on the Rossi, and uh, it just kind of ends with it's like help her please, and I guess at one yeah. point Holden recognizes who it is. Screen goes to black, and I'm like, oh, that's gonna get interesting. <laughs> uh, so you've got that. Yeah. I, the one thing I also did want to mention though is. Um, so what is going on with those those bursts that were they were using? Because they did something almost seemed like it stopped time or something. Or like did it blind the other crew? What were those those like torpedo shots that they used? I think those were the nukes. And if a nuke goes off, it does cause an EMP, which is what shut down the electronics of the Razorback. At least that's what I thought it was. Okay, so th- so they set off EMP devices as a method to stop the torpedoes that were about to crash. Yeah, to interrupt their signal and everything. Yeah. Okay, I was curious what was going on there because it just everything dead stopped, and I'm like, yeah, it was like, all right, well, here comes another one, and then the missiles are going to go through. It was a very interesting uh, situation. It looked, it also looked really cool. I mean, it's hard to argue. Some of the stuff they put in here just looks really cool, right? <laughs> so the one, the other thing that we missed is that there is a moment in there where Amos is talking to Prax, and they're getting into very specifically. Amos calls bullshit at him. He's like, look. Oh, yeah. Dealing with his, uh, yeah. With the way Prax is handling his daughter. You're trying to avoid something here. That's all this is. Like, you want to, I don't know what you're trying to run from, but you're running from something with all this. But yeah, it, it basically, you, you can tell that, uh, Prax is stalling. He's kind of already written off his daughter for dead. And I think at this point, he just doesn't want confirmation on that. He just, yeah, trying to focus his mind somewhere else so he doesn't have to think of it. Yeah. So th- there's a kind of like a, a moment where like the rare moment of humanity from Amos or, or isn't humanity yeah. so much as like you're call I'm calling bullshit because I, I you can't bullshit the bullshitter. I know callousness and that was callousness, bro. Pretty much. Yeah. He was like, uh, right. Yeah. Takes one to know one there, chief. Uh, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen when Avasarala wakes up and sees James Holden. Yeah, that's, I was like almost cringing myself. I was like, ooh, Holden knows who that is. She's going to know who Holden is. It's going to be, uh, that's not going to be a fun uh, wake up. <laughs> so I guess uh, for the technicals on this one, this is episode two of season three, IFF. Uh, this is directed by Breck Eisner, written by Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. So what's specific, what's special about those guys? Uh, that's actually they've... the guy who, who wrote the books. So this is very specifically written by the authors who created the show. Yeah, yeah. Those... It was originally released on April 18th, 2018. So, man, we're almost up to up to modern times here, huh? Just about. I'm getting pretty close. A point five on the ratings. Yeah, man. It dropped pretty steep. Like, it's almost like no one watches this station anyway. It's pretty, yeah, pretty right. weird. <laughs> so, like, so what, 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 so point five, that's, that's basically 500,000 people. Is that, like, what that means? Yeah, 500,000. It's uh, expressed in millions for yeah. the ratings. So, like, I don't know, a sixth of Joe Rogan's normal episode viewing? <laughs> like, Pretty much. Few, fewer people fewer people watch this than watch Joe Rogan. I guess uh, every, fewer of anybody watches anything than Joe Rogan's podcast. the most watched thing in America, at least. Yeah, Rogan's, he, he's actually got higher numbers than some cable news shows. I think all all cable news shows. I don't think any Which of them. Which is hysterical. I, he was... right. He's one of only two people that I've seen laugh at both detractor being yeah. detracted by the New York Times. He's kind of like, What do I care what the New York Times says yeah. about me? More people watch my show than read the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> and the only other person who I've seen who's gone through that is PewDiePie. 
how, yeah. how, how many millions of people is his subscribership up to? Like, it wasn't like six or seven million people at one point. Yeah, at the peak, I think it was about seven and a half. It's so many fucking people. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good show. It was definitely a turn from the first episode. Yeah, there was a little more tension in this one. It had a nice little space battle scene. Didn't really get too much into the proto-molecule uh, hybrid thing. Uh, at least, you know, you just see it on a computer monitor spinning around. But, uh, yeah, overall, it was a pretty, uh, pretty decent episode. I will say I like that it kind of brings a little bit more of the politics back in with the whole Dr. Anna. <laughs> Dr. Priest. Lesbian. Yes. Uh, let's, we don't need to talk about, like, how much stuffing in there they did to m- make her, like, c- check every box with her her very black, like, African wife. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they got all the ethnic multiracial kids and stuff running around. Although it was pretty racist that they made the black woman the mammy. They did the mammy thing with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if you can read into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can try as hard as you want to be woke, but you're never woke <laughs> enough. Which I will say, it, right? <laughs> this show definitely went out of its way to be woke as far as like uh, the casting choices go, but it never bothers me because it's right. actually written. It's written well enough that that doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of written. Yeah, it's kind of that way just from the story itself. I just got turned off of another TV show. The the boys season two really really pissed me off with how they're with how they're treating uh oh what's Stormfront making her not making her Nazi I know it was obvious oh, with the name yeah. but like there's so much more you can do with the kid yes. it wasn't even really the Nazi thing that pissed me off it's the way that they're treating her with Homelander that really pissed me off yeah and then so after that I was so pissed I tried to watch another show and so I started that Utopia oh is that the one with um uh, so that that's your guy John Cusack yeah John Cusack. well I I'm I stopped at episode two. I was irritated enough and being preached at that I decided not to watch any more of the show. Yeah. It's weird because they actually put up a disclaimer on the show that this show is not meant to. Oh, no. Not meant to. It's about diseases and pandemics being released by a by the government into the world. Now, can I just get a show with no disclaimers? Is that possible? I mean, I don't want to be tinfoil tinfoil hattie, but I mean, so this means this show was created or was was made last year, right? And just happens to release (laughs) when during their pandemic. It's it's really really tough sometimes to just think shit's not think shit is coincidence. Like, yeah, you just happen to have all this shit ready to go right when we're in the moment. Yeah, did you need script approval from the? Department of Defense on this one? Or? Well, the only thing I can say is that it was actually a British show that's now been adapted to uh, America. Uh, honestly, it's more of the treatment of the characters that I don't like. The, the lead character is fucking terrible. Okay. And from what I can read, it, I think it was originally a black comedy over in England, but it's now a drama here. Oh, that's not good. And they, 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 they do that. In America, they refuse to do dark comedy sci-fi. If you remember, you remember Torchwood? And when they brought Torchwood over here, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to make it like an action adventure show. They made it in a a, a, a a drama, like it was. We're gonna, we always we're gonna fight for the end of the world. Yeah. And then they pull out all the jokes and all the shit that made Torchwood great, which was Jack Harkness being fucking hilarious. Right. And anytime that they tried doing something, I what well, that was on Stars, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was like all over the top, and it's like, oh well, okay. I mean, I, I watched it. And the story was cool, but it took away all the stuff that made Torchwood great. Yeah. You know, it was the it was a, a Hoovian sci-fi show when it started out. Like the first two seasons of Torchwood are so good. 
because it's just goofy. Yeah. It's it's a, a goofy version of the X Files, basically. It's like yeah, we've we've done like we've <laughs> we've done like poignant sci-fi to fucking death over here. Can we have a little levity in the programming? Yeah, just write in some good jokes. Yeah, and the, the show like, can we get some lowered stakes? Maybe not everything is a, a a quest to save the end of the world or whatever. Right. Or or go the other way and just make it so that every episode is a quest to save the end of the world. So it's completely demeaned to the point that it doesn't matter. Like, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like calling everybody a Nazi and. And a racist, then you know. Yeah, and eventually those terms don't mean anything, and I, I hear them. Oh, so you just don't like him? I gotcha. I now have no way to know if someone is actually a Nazi or racist because just apparently everyone is. All right? Are we talking about you know riding pants and uh, goose stepping and who made that? Who whose joke is that? Someone someone actually brings that up somewhere. So, anyways, for sci-fi people, don't bother watching Utopia. It's fucking terrible. It's god awful. Uh, and like it started out pretty good. It's it's preachy from the fucking the first moment though. Like it, oh my god, everything is about the climate and environmentalism, and they just smash all of it they can in there. John Cusack basically plays Bill Gates, and it, 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 there's a moment where they're all at the table and tell me it, this is what really trip trip triggered me out about it is that it's 100 Machiavellian. Oh, uh, and in what, what's that dude's name? Uh, it's George Bernard Shaw. Yeah. Where he's literally at the dinner table and everyone holds hands and he asks every one of them what they did to justify their existence today. Like, Oh, nice. That's not psychological abuse at all. <laughs> I was, just, I was just shocked because it's not something that you see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know the history of, yeah. you know, Shaw. Very pleasant one either. No, no, it's not. And the amount of influence that that guy's had in history is pretty not not great, we'll just say. Yeah. It was just weird seeing it so deliberately placed in something that they're trying, you know, promoting. So, so weird. Uh, I guess if somebody wants to finish the series and tell me it is, and it was, dude, it has a good cast. It's got Cusack. It's got fucking uh, Rain Wilson playing like a crazy fucking scientist, dude. Rain Wilson. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Which you would think he would excel at. Well, no, I like his character. He, he totally plays. Basically, it, within two episodes, they introduce him. He plays a uh, scientist that discovered a virus. And and it came from a wet market. And it came from bats and pangolins. And, no. um, it definitely came from bats, I believe, in, a, in Africa, though. Was it was was this, was the story in this one? Just different well, continent. technically, in in event two hundred one, the bat or there was a pig in South America. Technically, this is actually even closer. Right. <laughs> but the uh, it was so all of a sudden, John Cusack's created like a meat alternative and it started serving a place. And one of the schools he starts serving it at, a bunch of kids have come down with this virus. And it looks to be the virus that this guy discovered. Now, this guy has been is like the. He was important for the five minutes when he discovered it, but like when they decided it was never nothing was ever going to come of that virus, it wasn't going to become one that became a world killer. Right? You know, his school no longer gave two shits about him, so he can't get any. Like he he's like handing in requisition after requisition to get fucking you know uh, the university, and they just ignore him. Yeah, and like he he runs across like his department head, and he's like, "Look, <laughs> you're never going to get anything because the 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 dean doesn't even know you exist. Be happy for that. <laughs> like that's." <laughs> so it's there's a whole lot it's just it, it checks so many boxes the thing that really kills me is that the lead character just sucks like she's just a fucking cunt <laughs> never a good thing no no she's un, she's unlikable in a way that detracts from the character I, I can't stick it out enough to fucking see what she's gonna yeah. do so I just started uh, what's it the loop that loop show uh, under the loop or the loop show hmm 
it's it's a sci-fi show based off of this art that this dude did. I think it's like Swedish or something, but Beyond the Loop maybe. Oh, wow. It's, an, it, it's another Amazon show. And that one's actually pretty good. It's it's more visually arresting and it's it's spending too much time to build f- mood to to get into politics. Wonderful. Yeah, and and God just a show that doesn't dive so deep into politics in the shittiest of ways imaginable. Something. Something to behold. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyways, folks, we have belabored it. I gave you a couple new fun things to check out and not check out. Um, anything else we need to bring up while we're here, Eric? Uh, nope. Just keep uh, watching the show and uh, come back afterwards and uh, let us uh, talk into your ear about it. Liz seems to like it. Liz seems to like it. Yeah, she like it. seems to enjoy talking us talking about the show every week. Yeah. Not giving up the uh, the Star Trek anytime soon, I'm sure. As long as she wears the Ohara outfit every now and again, we're good. So anyways, folks, <laughs> take it easy. Go and save the world. Yep. Out. Oh.